0: Aloha everyone, I'm Matt Beale. I'm the guest host of the Hawaii Life Procast for this special Workshop edition of the Procast. I'm psyched to be back at it today. And I think this might be our first, actually this is our second, uh, underwriting sponsor guest episode of the Workshop. Uh, before I sort of do the ultimate reveal of who this mystery sponsor is, I'm going to offer a quote that's right aligned with I think this product. So this is from Coco Chanel and the quote is, luxury must be comfortable, otherwise it's not luxury. So my guest today is Bonnie Wiedemeyer from Park Lane at Alamoana And for those of you that don't know, uh, Park Lane is, you can't, it's not a high rise. It's a luxury condominium uh, project that is on the Makai side, the ocean side of Ala Moana Mall, with insane beach, ocean, Diamond Head views, and probably every possible amenity that could come with being in the sort of urban core of Honolulu. So, Aloha, Bonnie, and welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. We're excited about workshop, and of course me about too. Park Lane. Yeah, and I'm curious um, to
0: see what you what you do there. I know it's like it's sort of in a veil of secrecy. Well, so far I haven't heard about what the uh, the Park Lane event at Workshop is going to be, but I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll go to the next level.
1: Yeah, we have a great team. Park Lane is um, a development um, a co-development by McNaughton Group and Kobayashi Group, a long-time developers here in Hawaii, very visionary, and they've done a lot of great projects and General Growth Partners. Um, Park itself is, as you mentioned, just extremely unique. Um, I'd love to kind of go back to the genesis of it, how it got started and why it's so different. Uh, Park Lane is located on almost eight acres of land on the Mackay side of Ala Moana Center. And because the center was expanding um, and actually creating a, a better environment, I think, by having anchor tenants kind of come out so that pedestrians could access the center better. Um, there was the opportunity to develop on the Mackay side. And when that opportunity came up, um, the McNaughton Group and Kobayashi Group were involved with general growth there. It could only be a low rise. So it could be a 100 feet high. And from the beginning, we started to look at what could happen on a low rise. What is great about being low? And one of the things is that we were able to get FAR or floor area ratio increased on this property so that we could have very, very large lanai. Lanai's as big as what you'd expect on a neighbor island property or a home in Kahala. And from that moment forward, the idea behind Park Lane was, what if we took all of the elements of a beautiful Hawaii home? Uh, Indoor-outdoor living, cross breeze, perhaps a swimming pool, a garage, everything you dream of when you have a single family home in Hawaii and combine it with the condominium elements of, uh, you know, service and security and the ability to literally lock it up and go. Right. And in between that kind of fabric, we've created, I think, a new product that satisfies both a single family home and a condominium buyer together.
0: So I want to ask, you know, you started to touch on it, but I think there's there's this world of, of of expectations and then and obviously and what you've delivered in amenities and so mm-hmm. and and I know that you know that's that it's sort of an elastic term and that you know uh, I've heard developers say that like you know walk, walking and being able to go to different places is like the new amenity and and I get all that and I I know that you offer that as well but I want to sort of touch on both what are the expectations that you're seeing from, you know, the, the prospects that are coming in looking at Park Lane in terms of amenities? And then I I know the answer to the sum of this question, but what have you, what are you doing? Because uh, tell us like the list of stuff that you've created in this club environment at Park Lane just sounds really, really cool. So I know that's a kind of a two part question, but.
1: No, it's a great question because I think that people's expectations of amenities have shifted over let's say the last 10, 15 years. Um, And part of it is actually, to go back to McNaughton Group and Kobayashi Group, many of the amenities we now think of as standard in high-rises in Honolulu were done for the first time by this group at Hokua, right? Uh, Guest suites, um, cabanas, the way that they're outfitted, all of these things actually that seem like big risks 10 or 15 years ago, are actually common now and a great thing. So that, for instance, you would have a two bedroom home, but if you have a guest, you really have a guest suite. So ways to make whatever home you have live like a larger home. Um, The um, park lane is on another level when it comes to amenities, because really we have something, we just have such a great piece of land, there's so much land, you usually don't have that experience. So usually in a high rise, you are, going straight up and all the amenities will be in the pedestal, right? Here, because it's a horizontal property, we're able to have the lobby be off of the main street. So it's very private as you come into the port couchere. We have an incredible amount of uh, depth of planting space. So five and a half feet of dirt uh, gives us the ability to have very large trees and gives the sensation that you're on the ground. There are over wow. 650 trees. At Park Lane, so cool, just that in itself creates this I mean it really is a park it's a it's a horizontal property that is a resort in the middle of the city, so sometimes you'll see in our in our marketing where we say life without compromise, and I think that is at the very core of Park Lane that the usual list of compromises uh, a buyer might take um you know well, should I should I live in the city or should I live in Lanikon, for instance, right? Should I buy um, a house with landscaping or do I want a very urban experience? We've actually taken away that usual decision and given people both. And I think fundamentally we believe that if you create something that people need, you'll be successful, right? So we're trying to...
0: Uh, are there like multiple li- levels of, of amenities? I mean, does, is everyone getting the same access to the same stuff or is it like, uh, you know, there's different... You know, like, I know there's a club environment there, but is that for all of the Great owners? Question. Or how does that work?
1: Great question. So we're always looking to create a club-like atmosphere, but it, in itself it is not a club in the sense that, let's say, Capillo is a club. It is, um, the amenities are open to all the homeowners. So as you come into the port cashier, Um, There's a double-height lobby, and really part of our amenities are our services. The residential specialists that work in our buildings are trained and amazing, and they couldn't give the kind of service they do without all of the infrastructure and cameras that the developer puts in. So, for instance, when you pull in your car, um, your car would be valeted if you choose, there's no, no tipping policy. You could have groceries delivered right into your home. Your dry cleaning could be delivered, 24 hour concierge. Um, if you want to go to the beach, they'll take your items to the beach for you, set it up and come back and clean it up. Um, so the main hub right there in the in the, um, port share of the services is service and personal service by general manager. We also have two catering kitchens one for a club room somewhere where you could casually flow in as you'd like but also every homeowner will have their own private wine storage so for instance if you want to go to your home and you want to entertain you can but if you've come home with some friends and you want to pour your special bottle of wine you have access to it in your own wine storage and you could leave your glassware right there and not you know not not hire a bartender for that However, if you wanted to hire a bartender or you wanted to have a catering, um, a catered event, there's a private dining room and club room right across the way. Both of these have large lanai's and ocean views. So we're trying to create places where literally your home could live like, a 2,000 square foot home might live like a 4,000 square foot home. Both of these amenities spill out into this Great Lawn, which is um, really modeled after the Kukio Great Lawn. Uh, Don Vita did the land planning here, just like he did at Kukio. So it's, you know, 60 by 90 or so feet of open space. Just uh, your kids could throw a ball there. Somebody might get married there.
0: So let's just really quickly do it. For those that don't know, uh, Kukio is, is a giantly successful private club on Hawaii Island, on the big island of Hawaii, that... Uh, You know, in a way, I think sort of spoiled uh, developer fantasies for the rest of the state, because I can't tell you how many times I've heard people who are not Kobayashi or McNaughton, people who actually did the project, uh, say things like, oh, it's going to be just like Kikiya, and we're going to have blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Uh uh no, dude, sorry, it isn't. You know, I mean, um, because it's so successful and so well done. And I think, I mean, you have the obvious challenge of of translating that into the sort of urban core of Honolulu, but you have the giant leg up of having the actual developers who did the project. So it's not like you're just winging it. I mean, you're working with the same people to do the same level of of product.
1: We are, exactly. And I think many of the things, you know, because Kona is such a remote location, it's wonderful to go there and, and it's an exquisite experience. But it is a private club and, you know, there are operating restaurants there on site. So here, we're in an urban center where there's so many restaurants, so many catering opportunities. Our idea was, what if we had a club-like atmosphere, but without the club-like cost? And, and, you know, I think we were able to achieve that with that balance here, is having incredible services and incredible staff and everything at your fingertips. But for instance, as you walk up to the pool that, and the women's spa and men's spa. Now, there wouldn't be an operating business in the spa, but you would have little towels that say Park Lane and you could call the staff. And if you wanted to have a massage therapist come, you know, you have treatment rooms and you have steam and sauna and an outdoor area that is with a hot tub and a cold plunge separate for men and women. It really is very much like a beautiful, incredible spa in a resort but you aren't carrying a full spa staff. You aren't carrying a restaurant. You don't need to. You're in the heart of the city. And that's part of the you know the feeling. We have so much space, and we also were able to um, pull the dining and barbecuing element that usually surrounds a swimming pool area in a high-rise away because each one of the lanai's on the main residences have their own barbecue right that's built in there are a couple of cabanas but the pool and spa area and fitness area is very private only a handful of homes can see to the into the pool area so it's much more you know much more like a resort property that you might find on Maui Big Island or Kauai and the dining and private dining and entertaining areas are kind of separated from that either in your home or around this great lawn so what you have is you have the benefit of space and with only 217 homes um, the, and two layers of parking, the parking is runs the whole length of the project, you have just a lot of privacy. One of the reasons people buy here is privacy. It feels like a house and it feels like you have more freedom. You have more time in the day because you have a home, but you have the amenities and services of a condo.
0: And not to mention you're... Back to that, you know, walking being the greatest amenity, you you literally walk out your back door and it's like, pick a restaurant, pick a place to eat, pick a, a place to go hang out. If you want to go to Neiman Marcus, I mean, it's just endless. And then in the other direction, it's like, you know, 15 surf breaks and go run the beach or go for, you know, stand up paddle or whatever. It's really the ideal situation. And I, I'm not by any means, you know, selling it. I don't need to for you, but it, it is just, uh, it, it, it's. It's got every element of that walkability and that, you know, location, A++, positive going for it,
1: you know? Exactly. You know, it's funny, you know, I love Hanalei, where your office is, and one of the things I love about it is I feel like the restaurants are authentic. When I go and I walk around there, I feel like, oh, this is a, this is a, this isn't a chain. You know, this is something, I'm having an authentic experience. I can find a hole in the wall. I can go to something fancy. I think that's part of the appeal of a really authentic neighborhood, and many times in resort communities it starts that way. But then you might end up with just having, you know, just what you could go to the same restaurants. Let's say if you were golfing in Cabo, or if you were right. in Palm Springs, right?
0: Yeah, and really that's good to sterile. have too, right,
1: right? Exactly. So I think that in Honolulu, one of the things we have is you have this home, and it's a, you know, it's cosmopolitan, and there's great restaurants, but there are great hole-in-the-wall restaurants. There's also Mariposa, there's culture, there's everything at your fingertips that you want in a city. But hopefully for us, the design of Park Lane washes away the city when you come home in a way that no other property would. Um, and a part, a large part of that is just landscaping and land. And then the design around it is, um, someone I worked with said when we started this, you know, this is this is a new product but it's an old look. It's a it's a look that you know if you know Hawaii. You've seen many mm-hmm. homes like this. You can walk around Diamond Head and see the deep lanai's with the wood overhangs and the use of stone and that kind of timeless look. Maybe inspired by Ossipoff or you know, natural breezes, just a natural environment that translates to a very soft Hawaii warm feeling.
0: Right. Definitely. So a lot of outdoor space. It definitely does kind of mimic that mid-century kind of vibe. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily peg it. It's it's a little more kind of contemporary uh, to use a word in its architecture, mm-hmm. but it, it it certainly has that uh, massing of of just outdoor space. And and I think too the way the courtyards work, the way the sort of views work, you, I, it looks to me like there are going to be so many vistas from all the units that everywhere is going to feel bigger than it really is. I mean, not that they're not going to be big, but you know how when you're, when you, no matter where you look, you're looking out, it just gives that expansiveness of like, it just makes everything feel that, that much larger. So I think that's probably the exactly. eyes and those, those big E's are going to going to bring that. So let me ask you, you know, you're, this is obviously, this is a, this is a top tier luxury product, right? Your pricing started in the, the low millions and went to, you know, say north of 20, right? So yeah. who who are the buyers and, and how, I think because most of the people listening to this are probably in or around the real estate industry. You know, I, I really love to talk about how you how you find them, how you interact with them, you know, beyond the sort of like, Kobayashi McNaughton Black Book stuff, and even that—that's not like you just dial up and say, "Hey, we got a product. Great, I'll take one." You know, done. It's like there's there's a process involved in that. So you know, again, I guess it's sort of a two part question. You've got thirty plus units left. You're you're now you're maybe not now, but you're in this inquiry of like let's let's we're you're engaged. You're you're taking tours. You're meeting people. So. What are the distinctions about how, how you interact with these process, prospects and how you find them, uh, you know, different from sort of, I guess, them finding you? And then sort of follow up to that is, what's the buyer profile look like if there is one? I mean, um, are, I have to assume most of these owners don't call Hawaii home full time, or am I wrong in that? So I, know that's kind um, of I will I'll question, answer but... that
1: one first kind of and then go back to how we find them and 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 how we put our community together really the um, Interestingly, I'll just answer you based on zip code 61% of our owners have local address um, 30% uh, Asia and 9% mainland US so that is okay, what's that. on that is what's on their contract, okay anecdotally speaking Very few of our owners um, that I can think of, I think most have owned a property somewhere in Hawaii before, or just as as easily have come for a month or so a year. They know Hawaii really well. They've been looking for a while. They have a connection. It doesn't take very long to find that Hawaii connection. Um, Many, I would say that even our empty nesters, people who live here in Honolulu who maybe want to sell their home at Diamond Head because they want to chase their kids around the world and want to have more freedom. Those folks are also very global people. We also have people who have a heart connection to Hawaii in some way. So let's say that you have an address in Asia, but you're married to someone who grew up here, or you yourself grew up here, and you're earning so much more elsewhere, but you bring your kids back for a summer school here. Okay, that's a profile of a buyer too. Um, Mm. Someone who might live in California, but owned on the Big Island or Maui for 10 years and decided, you know what, I want to spend more time in Hawaii. This isn't just a vacation home, it's now my half-time home. And we see that. I see people with more in common than difference. Most everyone loves quality, loves Hawaii deeply, knows it, usually has already understood what it is to have another home, and uh, they want the freedom to be able to travel and come and go. Yeah. We get the buyers that you know want the freedom to be able to come and go and travel, but had never bought a condo because they're really not condo people in their mind. So I would say, so what they, I mean, they're I, sort of in thinking. that
0: transition of, of home, like like second home ownership or even first home ownership into this. I guess I'll call it a hybrid, or, or you know, this this landing pad of of what feels more like a, a home, but is actually a condo
1: exactly so you have that and i also you know just recently i was on a trip on the west coast talking to um some great brokers there and we were brainstorming who are your clients for park lane and i think the where i would look if you have a client for park lane is someone who you know already has a connection to hawaii did they own a property on kahala avenue and did they sell it you know um in 1990 and did they always talk about hawaii Did they have pictures up all over their home of that do they, is there some heart connection? Um, recently there was a, a man, man who, um, purchased, it's about 7.1 million, great person, and he, uh, lives in Palo Alto. So he's a California buyer, right? Zip code's California. His daughter lives here. She is the reason he purchased. She wants him to be near her, and her whole family's here. Um, but his family's originally from Hong Kong, but he spent almost every summer and winter at the Mauna Kea on the Big Island. So, what is he right? There is a perfect right. example of of how i it's been wonderful actually to see one community come together now, as far as backtracking your other question, how do we find our buyers and how do we build our community? We have you know around seven hundred and forty million in sales in twenty one months, and our average price per square foot is about twenty six hundred a square foot um you know our average price is above five million um Fundamentally, I think our belief is that people buy when someone they trust buys. Um, And the way that we start our projects is, of course, we want feedback. So maybe even up to a year before we start selling, we have focus groups or individual interviews with people to understand what they're looking for. And while we're still designing, it gives us some ideas from our market, but it also you know, get some excitement out about the concept of a project um mm-hmm. before we went to market on this project before we started writing contracts, we had met with over five hundred individuals. so when we start contracting, we know that we have a community that's already started um and then, as we go along, we of course always work with brokers I mean I think brokers are really key um brokers and clients are the same to us. I mean, they're, they're friends, they're advocates, they're, we're educating people. The fun thing about this project is that it's we all love it so much. The whole development team, the sales team, we just found ourselves intellectually excited by it. And uh, people have been too. And most of our clients are through referral and brokers. And when I say that, I mean it together. Um, we travel, you know, we have a team that goes to Asia, West Coast, neighbor islands, but really the core of our sales happen here in Honolulu. And um, we I, we always say that it's one handshake at a time. There's nothing that replaces meeting somebody and showing them the project and, and seeing it as a low pressure educational process. Uh, we do some advertising, but we hardly did any for the first year. And um, now that the project is, of course, one of the things that happens is that once you start building, the quality is apparent. So now I would say we're kind of in a different phase where we get most of our buyers and owners from brokers and buyers calling us when they see the project. They drive right. by and go, oh, that really is different. So we're we're really fortunate right now that the quality is so amazing that people literally call off the sign. Um, but to get to that point, uh, fundamentally we uh we sell by relationship and we think that uh rather than having a large ad blast, that is the way to go and um interacting with people. And brokers well, are just a huge part of it.
0: Selling by relationship, that that brings us to the theme of Workshop, which is relate. Of <laughs> <All laughs> course, right. the context for these calls. No, I mean really I, I do think that uh Probably more so than most markets. Your point about, you know, people buy when, when someone else they trust buys. I, I have to think, and I, you know, I don't know just because I'm, I'm spoiled and I've lived in Hawaii for, you know, over 20 years. But it strikes me that this place, more than any other market, has that going on where that selling by relationship and that sort of uh, you know, layers of the onion, as I always call it, like it impacts the the buyer behavior, apparently also the seller behavior, more so than a lot of markets I see. I mean, it looks to me that especially on mm-hmm. uh, you know the U.S. continent, these sort of larger, different markets, they are a lot more, they're just driven by different things, different metrics, whereas here, it, it really is uh, that sort of relationship culture and Who's doing what? And who are these people? And right, even not just down to who's buying, but but who who are you and who's building it? And what were
1: mm-hmm. what's their
0: history and what's their reputation and all of that? Now, I'd be. And a sense of pride,
1: like, I think. You know, a sense totally. of pride in that you bought it. And one of the other things I think that's interesting is I don't think I found a buyer yet that we have wasn't built a home themselves, and you know mm-hmm. that changes you forever because right. you you knew the waterproofing issue or you understood that the stone worked or didn't work. So you're, you're meeting with someone who's built a custom home before. That's what I was going to
0: ask you is is in those (laughs) focus groups and in that, as you interact with those people, are there, I mean, it's easy like sort of hindsight 2020, I can look back and look at the brochures and understand the product and say, Oh, they did this and not that. And you know, they have this, this is a plate height and this is the floor. And you know, they chose Mm -hmm. this, countertop. But were there were there trends that were really, really obvious or things that stood out to you that, that people said we want this or or you know dis- design decisions made along the way that maybe showed up as a surprise or or sort of an obvious trend in what the consumer's expecting or what the buyer you know is really looking for that, that stood out to you? Or
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean I think one, one of the things that we did was, you know, we have a flush transition from the indoor to outdoor. So our wood floor literally is flush with the lanai, like it would be in a single-family home. It became apparent that people really wanted to be able to clean their lanai, very simply, like you would in a home. And it's not that simple to do in a condominium, usually. Right. So the decision to float the lanai and create really a subfloor so that you could clean the lanai. Was I believe a uh, direction that came out of that, and I think it's part so it's of like what makes separate, them so great.
0: Like a separate drain in the lanai, or or you it, think, um, you know, some it, of
1: them have separate drains, and some of them just drain from underneath their groutless stone. So unlike most lanais on condominiums, where you would have a a, a gap underneath the glass, so that right. you would just you know if there was it would be angled. It's not. It actually, if you if you took a wet mop over it. The the uh, water would just go between the stone and flow out. So we can There's take the, the glass all the way to the ground, right? And that I think was. It sounds like kind of a detailed thing, but when you talk no, to I'm someone totally who really lived right? in a home, yeah, yeah, who who really has lived in a home, and if you if you're selling an outdoor living room, what's different about Park Lane? Well, you have a 500 square foot lanai that's covered with wood and has stands and a barbecue, and right. If you know that you can clean it, it sounds crazy, but that really is a big thing. That's a question that would have come up. And an example that you, we got early on, another one would be um, the wet room style bathroom. You know, many times now when you see developers designing a bathroom, they'll have one of those sexy kind of egg-shaped uh, tubs that render really well and look pretty in pictures, but there's nowhere to put, you know, shampoo or soap or anything. And then there's a separate shower. And, you know, for the Japanese market, um, the ability to be in a bathtub in a shower and have the whole room be wet is really important and mm. not kind of important. When, when you buy a home, you can change it easily. A condominium changing the bathroom is very hard. So we discovered... I'm
0: like desperately trying to find a, a bathroom rendering right now in your collateral.
1: <laughs> right, right, exactly. Where, where is the wet so, room? I want to see it. So, so one of the things that we found is, you know, Hokua has wet rooms. Now, um, from a Western perspective, instead of an Eastern perspective, if you come into Hokua, the bathroom looks beautiful to me. I'm happy, right? And it looks great to a Japanese buyer also. So, in our design, we sought to, of course, satisfy uh, the Japanese wet room requirement, but at the same time satisfied the aesthetic of someone who wasn't thinking that way. Um, because even if you want a buyer from Japan, our primary international buyers are from Japan. So even for resale, this is something that you have to be forward thinking about. Mindful, and right. we just, mm-hmm, we designed all of our bathrooms to be wet rooms. They're beautiful. You know, you have a bathtub and a, and a shower in the same room. And it is, of course, accepted by the West and accepted by the East. Um, if you uh, talk to any uh, Japanese clients that I know here and I tell them I'm going to Tokyo, for instance, and where are you, where are you staying? They'll say, oh, they're Ritz-Carlton. They'll say, oh, I don't like their bathrooms. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. What's the pro- What's the problem? And, uh, well, no, the, the Hyatt has the nice bathroom. Well, then I asked Ken on our team, what is that about? He said, oh, it's a Japanese wet room. So you have an entire, you know, a culture that knows that this hotel has the wrong bathroom wow. we don't want our condos to have the wrong bathroom right. and so i think just um you know learning and listening and always improving um even something like the cabanas as an example our cabanas you know at at hokua have a table and barbecue and everything at one la we added soft seating and a couch area and here we have soft seating in the couch area and, you know, glassware and silverware and everything. So if you're going down for a barbecue by the pool and you, oh, you're you not kids carrying are playing, all your
0: stuff, you're
1: not carrying it. Right. So we're always doing, uh, you know, looking at past owners, not necessarily to buy again, but to understand from them what we could do better. And we just have an incredibly creative team. The development team, I should say, are not just, in, in oversight, there and people ask me a lot, what are they involved in? What they're involved in every single detail uh, of the entire project, from hand selecting the trees. You know, being out, in, Duncan was in Wymanalo picking out the tree that would go into the porcocher, personally. Right, <laughs> they take so much pride in it. Going and making sure the wood was right. I think there were tri- three trips to make sure the wood was right, going to Europe and Germany to select the stone to make sure it was the right tone there's a sense of reputation and pride in what they're doing I would call them um, I would call them fanatically detailed
0: yeah it's definitely clearly an artistic expression and uh, and personal I mean that that's yes. that's, that's come through <laughs> and everyone you know, has yeah, yeah.
1: I think so, the biggest uh, mental turn-on though is when people tell you what you and you know when you create something and then they say you know the reason I'm buying this is this or so that's the exciting part is actually getting to know your community and having them tell you what they like hmm.
0: love that so tell me I, I'm I'm curious about now you know you're you're so the building is up you're getting calls you're and you're you sort of strike me as uh you have this kind of, you personally, Bonnie, have this neighbor island, um, you know, mentality of going a little further outside the circle, you know, the inner circle, and and being mindful that hey, a uh, buyer could come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I also know that like dealing with with cooperating brokers, it's just often, you know, sometimes like pushing a rope, like you he, he just, it's just not the easiest thing. So what do if I'm if I'm just like, you know, day to day real estate agent, I, maybe I don't sell super luxury stuff. Uh, maybe, it, maybe, I'm, you know, my average price point's a million dollars or whatever it is. And, and I'm, I'm hustling and, and doing great and love my career. But I get someone that's asking me about Park Lane. What do I do? Like, how how does it work? Do I, do I need to like fill out a form somewhere and register my person and then like, you know, handcuff them to me and show up and make sure that like, they're my guy. Right,
1: I, right, right. Good question.
0: Know, uh, hovering every time they go to the.
1: So to the registration project. is always a hot topic. It's always a hot topic. My basic rule is, you know, sometimes when we start projects, we'll get, um, you know, someone who'll send us like the whole phone book. These are my clients,
0: and right, I've right. actually
1: gotten, a, I've gotten a list before. <laughs> the follow-up phone book. <laughs> yes, we're actually one of the developers was actually on this person's list, and I'm like, oh my goodness. So we love yeah. working with brokers, and we love. Working with the broker that the client chooses is is basically the the situation. Our first call is almost always from a broker. I mean, sometimes you'll get an on-site signage call, which we're getting recently. But even then, that person usually has a broker. And they end up bringing the broker. And if they don't come on the first visit, it's okay if they tell us, hey, I have a broker. Come on, just call us and we'll work it out. And you can come in and we'll make sure you're up to speed. It's always best when they're there at first, but sometimes they're not just because people now are walking by. But usually the broker will call and call our office. We work as a team, so it, it doesn't matter who you work with. If you wanna work with a particular person, you can. We always try to ask a few questions to understand what's going on. How long have you been working with the person? What else are they looking at? Not to be um, nosy, but to try to make sure that we make the broker look good and that we have a good experience and it's what they expect. Course, Example yeah. would be, you know, I'm about to list their house. They're not gonna buy for at least six months, but I wanna show them what's out there. Great, let's bring them in, and we know what angle to go about this from. Um, you know what, they're in town for three days. They've looked at everything, and Park Lane just came up, and now I'm freaking out that I haven't shown it to them. And I guess, you know, their friend bought it, da, da, da. Okay, we'll get them in, you know, we'll look. And they wanna get on a site tour. And, you know, there's all different paces that we try to kind of have a pre-meeting conversation with the broker um, about the client. Now, that's easiest because that's an appointment. Let's say someone's calling and they say, hey, I've got a client on Maui. He is um, originally from California, but he's been working in Japan, and I want to get him some information on Park Lane. Okay, Mm. best thing you can do is not just, you get him the information on Park Lane, but the best thing you can do, and this is counterintuitive to a lot of the ways that brokers think because they're protective of their clients, is loop him into an email with us. Then he right. knows you're his broker right. on Park Lane. Otherwise, you gave him the information and what's going to stop him <laughs> from, from coming to town and yeah. and walking into the ABC brokerage across the street. So the few things about our company, about hiring associates, our company is really um, you know, we're we're here to envelop the development and to be the development and not to ever take a broker's client. Okay. So we're here to help. And if you loop us in with your client and say, hey, wanted to introduce you to so and so, they'll send you the information, then we can say, Thank you, Matt. You, wonderful I'm so glad you inquired and the client feels like you're their representative that's the best advice if they're remote if they're here right. we can work together to get them in
0: and you've been you've been on the, you've been doing road shows too right I mean he said you just got back from the West Coast and Absolutely. you're you're making the rounds are you is that working out or you it sounds like you're spreading the word
1: yeah i think it does work out and i think there's direct sales that come from it but there's also um it's always interesting interesting to me after someone's purchased the many ways they found out about you and they start telling you i just love that the data is really hard to prove but you know we started the way that we start doing these things is we start selling and let's say at about 300 or 400 million we look at our zip codes we look at where our buyers are coming from organically and we say, wow, that's interesting. There are a lot of buyers from Japan. There seems to be quite a few from Hong Kong and a selection from Korea. And then we have, hmm, a lot of Los Angeles buyers. Interesting. And they're mm. from San Francisco, Palo Alto. And looks like we've got a couple from Dallas. And, hmm, all those people also own on Maui or Kauai or the Big Island. Huh. Right. Maybe right. maybe our owners are um, that buy from the mainland U.S. are actually people that owned on neighbor islands first. Right. So then we go deeper into those markets. And I think that's the smart way to be in it and say, hey, we have buyers from your market and you probably know them before they come. So we do most of that. Of course, they're going to be
0: they're going to be pre-wired in some way to Hawaii. I mean, that's that's that should be obvious. I mean, I'd be I would have to guess that you have a very small percentage of people that this is their first property that they're buying in Hawaii ever. You know, exactly. Exactly. Or or, in maybe if that like they were you know renting some super high home or something but but yeah they're they're familiar and i think uh but it's also probably the case that they're it's not like they're trading they're going to keep their neighbor island property and have this i mean that's a, a very very valuable possibility i think
1: exactly and i also think that you know a large part of what we do is also everyone loves hawaii and people have the place that they love here, and it's fun to connect with people about that. So if people end up referring clients or buying with us, great, but we also learn a lot about the world and luxury markets from them. And Of course. I And I also believe that, you know, I think people work together who like each other. I mean, I really like you, Matt. I like the people in your company. I enjoy talking to you. I look forward to it. It's an energy boost, not an energy suck. And I think that... Um, professionally when we connect with other people that way we all have fun working together and there's a critical mass that's built up you know let's say someone's considering buying at park lane and they're skiing in aspen and they're next to someone on a chair and talking about park lane and someone says i've heard of that project my broker went over there and visited it does that help us yes
0: it's just this unsourceable uh word that that has its own equity that it sort of starts to snowball and then you can't say oh this guy bought because you know the fourth person uh said oh yeah i know that place and it's really cool or i know the developer and they're really good and that's what pushed him over the edge like he it doesn't always translate that way but but in hindsight that you know it was all of that verification and all of those friends of friends and and the circles that they run in that you know added weight to the decision that made it made it work I and mean, i think that's got huge legs and i think too exactly. you know to your point about us working together and you know you always end up whether it's conscious or not kind of sort of hooied up with the people that you are aligned with i think obviously to your point the buyers are like that too and mm-hmm. i think there's there's a ton of value in mm-hmm. this distinction between resales and and uh new sales you know and uh what you what you're doing, what you're going through, and having to basically sell a product that doesn't yet exist, based on mm-hmm. renderings and, and feedback from a you know a, a buyer base, take it to fruition, build it, then sell a product that does exist, but still new home sales. And while the client, in a lot of cases, is the same client, is our same client and by our, I mean, this the resale market. Yes. there's a lot of information and a lot of tact and uh, just awareness that we can share with each other that it's, it's not, you know, good or bad. It's just different. You know, the way you go about your business is different than the way we go about ours. And I think, you know, just bringing it all the way back to workshop, I think the value in having you there beyond just your, you know, meeting people and spreading the word about Park Lane and introducing people to the product and really I mean let's face it this without sort of you know blowing smoke there's no there is nothing like this right so it, it absolutely warrants learning about but I think that that it's also sort of that information exchange and you know the the text right the assumptions that you make that are true and false the assumptions that we make you know how we interact with these people. What matters to them? What's what is sort of the safe ways to communicate? You know, thinking about, um, you know, a case in point. I, I we had a, a Chrissy's referral recently for a, mm-hmm. a you know very very high end home, and mm-hmm. uh, we were talking. I was talking with the owner, and you know they were saying something. We were specifically asking the basics of, you know, sort of expectations for time on market and. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. all of these details, and I said, well, you know, look, think about you, and think about how busy you are, and like mm-hmm. just because I list a super fancy home, and, if, and even if you're in the market, and you're in your day-to-day life, wherever you wherever you are, you know, Texas or New York or wherever you happen to be that day, mm-hmm. you're not gonna fuel up your plane, and <laughs> come out and see it just because I listed it. Like it doesn't work that way. And, and he, yeah, good he you know, kind of nodded and realized, oh, wow, that's really true. So it's not, you know, my point was we're we're in a different world of kind of days on market. Like We're literally waiting for people to show up. And, yeah, sometimes right. we can generate enough, you know, demand. And in some cases, fear of loss where it will actually be in action on something. But the, just to set the expectations, like, we're really on their schedule, not the other way around. But I think that process of being able to mirror back and say, think about you and your world and how busy you are and what's required to sort of wedge into your mental space for just to get even an ounce of attention for granted a product that might be stellar. I mean, Park Lane, yes, everyone wants to know about it, but like, how do you get their attention in a way that matters? And I, I think there's so much value in us having conversations like this and, and going to workshop and like being active. There is. And I, sharing was, I just, it's funny
1: you say that. I was looking, I was in a situation recently where I was just so grateful that I was, you know, because I did general brokerage for a couple of years before I got into Project 16 years ago. And I'm grateful that I had that experience, but I'm far from it still. So, you know, it's been a long time. And, and I had a wonderful agent say to me, you know, the biggest part of my brand, the reason that people choose me is because I never, ever push them. I never push them for a decision. And that's the biggest compliment I could ever get. And I thought you're mm. right. That's part of your brand. You sell things for twenty or thirty million, and you never push them. And then she said, she furthermore said, but I I like it when you subtly do, and I don't have to. I like that, Bonnie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. I said because I was being very, you. Know, I was of course respectful, but I was, you know, saying you know this is this home will probably sell um, if you don't sign on it, you know, and this, it did. Right. And but she. T- it was the right thing to do one time, not push, but not make her do it. And it was really neat that she shared that back with me because that's an example of when you're with someone, you're thinking, how can I better serve you? You know, And how can I remember what the core of your business is? And it helps me understand my business. So I absolutely agree that I think, you know, we're really just thrilled that you're here, that you're doing it on Oahu and that um so many, you know, great minds will come together and we'll be energized by it.
0: It's gonna be a ton of fun and I'm excited to see what you guys put on and, and I'll I'll make I'll make every introduction I can and we will all up our game. I'm psyched. So before I let you go, I wanna just ask um, you know let me just tell me what you what you have left because in, in my world I want to experience uh, valet and you know, beach services and expert planning and residence care and the concierge and secure storage and yoga and a private massage treatment room. I mean I could just keep going down the list of amenities that are are at place, but like what's 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 left? What's the what's the uh, entry level at Park Lane now and how, how much how much money do I have to raise or Who do I have
1: to convince to rent either unit? We have, um, entry level is just (laughs) over 4 million right now. And including the lanai, that's about 1,700 square feet on the seventh floor. Um, We have, you know, we have, people always ask me what the best unit is at Park Lane or what the most popular one is. And I think that's an interesting question because we have, you know, go uh, 2,600 square foot home with a 500 square foot lanai. Uh, with a beautiful ocean view and an attached garage that's 6.1. I have a 2,000-square-foot home on the ocean uh, perch that just has an amazing view with uh, a den and a 300-square-foot lanai that is 5.4. So we would would start around 4.1 and all the way up to the Grand Penthouse that is 28 million, um, that is 6,000 square feet, around 6,000 square feet, that is just in class all of its own with a private elevator. But if someone is looking for um, you know, a 3,000-square-foot home or a 1,500-square-foot home, we have both. We have original pricing. We have not phased pricing. So the great thing is if your clients are coming in and have questions now about what anyone else pays or anything it's we've done, right we're very transparent. Yep, You got it. That's cool. And,
0: and we're about,
1: gonna close are, in are you, 2017.
0: Coming right up, it'll be here in a minute. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What about...
0: Um, Rentals are are people going to be able to do it like short term rentals in there or no?
1: You know it's it's a residential um zone, so it's a thirty day rental. So it isn't um, zone resort hotel. So no, you can't do short term rentals. And I think most of our owners like that about it. Um, the um, you know, like you, you, know you have who, will,
0: who might who want will. to rent to like a really nice real estate <laughs> road, from Hawaii who isn't <laughs> going to be there very much who will take really good care of the place?
1: Come and stay in our guest suites. Well, I'll
0: be right there. Having. I'm coming over. <laughs> exactly. When is it done?
1: <laughs> exactly. You'll You'll have be like, do Matt, you have to leave As now. soon as we're done, we'll have to do something special with Hawaii Life and how you guys come. We. Um, I love that. No, um, not you
0: guys, just me. It's
1: just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, we are... <laughs> like, just, no, he's still I'm there. really looking forward. I'm just really looking forward to... It's funny when I show a neighbor island brokers, um, and you do statewide, but neighbor island brokers our project. And here when you show our project, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so different. And you show neighbor island brokers. are like, yeah, it's a Lanai. Yeah, it's a tree. You know, it's, what we have is what they expect, right? It's <laughs> right, very funny. Right. I love it actually. So I am really you can't forward.
0: just like go you know, walk out and go to Vintage Cave or, you know, go to Mariposa, et right, exactly. like that, That's exactly. a whole other, or, you know, Uber. That's the other thing. It's just God, I wish i right. could get Uber on any other island. Oh yeah, you know, run on on the neighbor islands. All right
1: well and I, i'm looking forward to all the many different reactions when the project is totally complete too although we only have you know we have 16 percent left right so we're 84 percent sold um wow. and we continue yeah we continue to you know even in slow months like september continue to have good sales and strong sales our summer was crazy i think we did a 50 million in two months so it continues to just continue to blossom, and it's really fun. And and they're all with brokers, so we're looking forward to you know working with everyone and and seeing you in December.
0: So cool! We're gonna to toast to your success. All right. Yes. So you guys. Thanks are, for including us. Oh, we're are you kidding? It's gonna be great. So you're hosting a a, what should I give it away or should we let people just sign up and experience it?
1: Yeah, we're hosting a palhana, and again okay, um, Friday night. Yeah, awesome. and we're really Great. excited and um the the masterminds of this, you know, I love working with people but um I'm not the creative force behind that. That's a Joyce and so she'll be working on that and so uh, she's
0: organizing uh, like uh pyrotechnics and little body paint and stuff exactly. like that. Or...
1: <laughs> the best part is I'm excited about um your for me, I know that there will be a huge connection between this development team that they're coming and um and this kind of a venue because they're big thinkers and I'm excited about all the big thinking together.
0: It's, yeah, it's, I mean, I, every year, as much as, as close as I am to it, I'm also just sort of blown away by the, the group that's coming, like, you know, the most recent speaker announcement was Michaela O'Connor-Abrams, the CEO of Dwell, who just like, I, I literally just want to, you know, glom onto oh. her and just be like, talk to me right. more, you know, <laughs> what, else, what else do you have to
1: say? This is awesome. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to be refreshing and wonderful. So thank you again, and just and thanks for including thank me today. You
0: and thanks for being a guest, and thanks for sponsoring Workshop and mahalo, Parkland, and mahalo, Vaughn. Bon.
1: Mahalo, man. Thank you. Bye.